Greetings, and welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. I'm Phyllis Hollis, your host. As an extension of my Instagram page, Cerebral Women, this podcast offers insights into the visual art world. I interview artists, mainly artists of color and female artists, who will freely articulate what inspires their creativity. In addition, you'll hear interesting perspectives from dedicated art professionals who work with artists and the art institutions that feature them. I'm confident that collectively, these individuals will indeed stimulate your mind as they do our eyes. Please know these interviews are conducted in my Manhattan apartment, so please forgive the background sounds of city life. Welcome to the Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. In this episode, I feature artist Jacory Dopwell Hall. Jacory is an artist who loves to draw, paint, and create wherever he can and whenever he can because he finds inspiration everywhere. He is currently an art instructor and pursuing a Master of Arts degree in art education. He is a graduate of Ringling College of Art and Design in Sarasota, Florida, and the college awarded him the Emerging Leader of the Year Award in 2019 and 2020. Also in 2020, the Glaucoma Foundation awarded him the TGF Art Challenge Award for his featured artwork. His artwork was also featured at Christie's Young Visions Exhibition and Lincoln Center's Abstract Art Exhibition. His artwork is collected by the Art Center Sarasota and the Fogartyville Community Media and Art Center. Currently 23, Jacori was born with an eye condition known as primary congenital glaucoma. It affects his left eye vision. Despite having this condition, he defied the odds and accomplished what most would deem impossible. Please visit CerebralWomen.com to read his expanded bio and enjoy this episode featuring Jacory Dopwell Hall. Jacory, I am delighted to feature you. Welcome to my Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. Hi, Miss Hollis. It's a pleasure to be here. Miss Hollis, that's revealing. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to all the different things that we get to discuss today. But we're going to start with talking about you. So when did you discover your artistic passion? So I first discovered my artistic passion at the age of three. In pre-K, my teachers noticed that I loved to color and draw things using my imagination. And then they helped me to foster that energy at a young age. And how would you describe your practice? My artistic practice is something I take very seriously. Every art piece I create is near and dear to my heart. And it's really hard to let them go, especially when they're being sold. I make sure that every art piece I create is unique and brings out a little bit of my own identity. So that's why it's kind of hard to let that identity go with the piece. And what materials do you use in your work? When it comes to the way I create, I just love whenever I get the ability to use a mix of different mediums. If I had to choose between drawing and painting mediums, I would definitely choose painting, but I'm more capable with whatever I'm given. So there's something I admire about the way each painting medium is just unique in its own way. 
I enjoy the rush of the quick air drying acrylic paintings. I love the fact that I can reactivate gouache paintings with water. And I'm fascinated by the way oil paint dries slowly so I can keep working on it continuously. The layering of watercolor, it's just, they all are different in their own ways and they all are useful and they're different properties. And my creative process also involves combining my imagination with my life experiences and seeing the way the world changes every day. I'm always inspired to create new and unique art. That's great. You are an inspiration. So early on, do you recall what artists influenced you? So I did have a few different artists that were my inspirations when I first started out. I was really interested in the work of John Michael Basquiat and um, some other African-American artists. And then I had a shift where I just decided that I was going to rarely focus putting my art in the same exact way that they did and just come up with my own style. And that's when I just decided to just have this new goal in my mind to create original statements with my art, bringing out positive changes in the community and with my art and now have a mission to just capture the element of beauty in all my pieces. Art in itself is amazing, but it is the beauty that's caught in the artwork that makes it worthwhile. In school, how did your art professors impact your practice? So being a student at the Ringling College of Art and Design with professors that specialize in bringing out the best quality artwork, that has drastically affected my practice and positively affected the way I create art. I learned to think more about the composition and a lot more about the messages that I want to portray um, with my art. And I was even able to learn different methods of using different materials and I was just exposed to a whole plethora of different things while I was in that school environment that just helped to enhance the skills that I already had. So you are a Black history educator of children, grades K through fifth grade. How do you structure the curriculum and how do you hope to influence them? So I am actually an art instructor at uh, Manatee Elementary School, but I use the art curriculum and I also use elements of Black history in my curriculum as well. And using the things I learned in my past, when you're able to incorporate the different cultures and heritages of different students in the lesson plan, they feel represented and that ends up getting a better output with the artwork. And that's something I've really learned that really will be helpful to not just this school environment, but other schools as well. And just structuring the curriculum in the form of bite-sized lesson plans where the students can learn about one general topic at a time before diving into the specifics. In, in teaching these young minds, do you reflect back on what you learned from your professors? Yes, I do a lot. I always think back to the times when I was their age, when I was first introduced to art in the art room. And it was one of my elementary teachers that taught me about art that made me want to become an art teacher. 
So that same energy, I can sense it in some of the students here where some of them are just really putting their effort and all of their heart into these artworks that they create. And it's definitely something that they can have with them for a lifetime. So because you teach K through fifth, when do you witness these children absorbing their creativity and and understanding their potential? So I would have to say it starts in third grade because you have kindergarten and first and second. That's kind of like the primary grades where they're just getting into it. It's like they're starting to understand it, but they're not fully putting on that version of jumping into their own art style. But once they're in third grade, they've kind of been around it a little bit more. They've seen a little bit of artworks here and there, and they can tell you a little bit about some of these pieces. They can tell you about, you know, some of the art museums that they've been to on different trips, and then they can bring those different elements into their artwork as well. And it just gets even better as they go up towards fifth grade. That's wonderful. And do you ever think about teaching older students? I definitely have that idea of teaching higher grade levels in the future. Definitely in the back of my mind. That's what I'm working towards as well. I'm trying to get my master's degree in arts education right now, currently working towards that. And if possible, I would like to get my doctorate's degree in the arts as well. So once I get that, I will definitely be moving up in the ranks and just being able to share everything that I've learned with a different generation. So on the subject of education, I want you to inform listeners about the Glaucoma Foundation and how you've worked with them, why you've worked with them. So I have been diagnosed with primary congenital glaucoma when I was just a few weeks old. And it's really been something I had to live with my whole life. I didn't ask for it. I was born with it. And instead of letting it define me and take over a lot of the things that I did, I just decided that I would make it an integral part of everything I do. So I can do all of these things, even with glaucoma. So I'm able to work different jobs. I'm able to do art. And these are some things that people in the real world will tell you, oh, you can't do that if you have glaucoma. You, you have to see to do those things. But it's possible. And I'm just the living proof that it is possible to do that. And what age were you when you discovered the Glaucoma Foundation? So I discovered the Glaucoma Foundation actually very recently. It was 2020, right before the pandemic happened and everything like that. And my glaucoma specialist was retiring and he actually referred me to Elena and introduced me to the Glaucoma Foundation where I had my very first speaking presentation where I told my story and I was able to share with other listeners just the different struggles growing with glaucoma and having to live the life of going to school while having doctor's appointments in the early mornings, not really understanding it at a young age, having to do lots of different surgeries on my eyes at a young age. 
So that's really where it all started. And it's just been getting better ever since I've been part of the Glaucoma Foundation Art Challenge. I participated and I became a Glaucoma Foundation ambassador and I work for their TikTok team. So I help them create interesting videos that just share information and facts about glaucoma. Let's talk about Elena Sturman. She's doing an outstanding job. Do you have a sense on when and how she decided to incorporate the art challenge into the foundation's focus? Yes. So I was actually there when they had the very first Glaucoma Foundation Art Challenge, and it was called the 2020 Visions for Success. I believe that's what it was called. So the 2020 Vision for Success, because you know how 2020 Vision and it was 2020, (laughs) it worked together like that. And that was the very first art challenge. And it was something that I was so happy to see that the Glaucoma Foundation was being paired with something I love to do. And that year, it was the pandemic. So I had nothing to do. So I was just sending in my artwork and I basically put artwork all throughout the book. They had a big art book that they gave to all the participants at the end of the um, fundraiser. And I basically had artwork on every second or third page. So it's like, I felt like my art was being represented And it was for a good cause. So with all the different people that I was able to get to donate to the Glaucoma Foundation by participating in the challenge, they were able to uncover the artworks that I submitted. So I would submit my artwork into the challenge and then it would be blurred. And then every time someone donated, then it would ever so slightly be seen. And then that was just a very nice way to raise money for glaucoma because it was kind it was kind of like exactly what you're going through so if you're in in my position with glaucoma you have one eye that's blurry right so you can't see that full image but you donate right just like people are donating to the glaucoma foundation to help vision every time you donate to that image is a little bit closer to you seeing it perfectly in 2020 vision. And it's just been such a great thing to be able to participate in that challenge for not just that year, but all the years up till now. That's great. I love it. So how does one get involved with the art challenge? So since it's now an annual event, you can go to the glaucomafoundation.org and Whenever this event is going on, it's usually in the August, November timeline around there. And you'll see it up there. You'll probably see a few posts about it on um, Glaucoma Foundation social media pages when they do have it. And it's something that they've never done before. But now that they did it one time and seeing how successful it was, it now opened that door of possibility for it becoming something that can be done annually. And then there's a little book that they give you at the end, which is really nice keepsake to just thank all the people who donated and to showcase your work again. Yeah. That's great. I love it. I love organizations that support artists. So now let's talk about you. When you're working, when you're creating, do you listen to music? 
I occasionally do listen to some music while I work because it helps with my artistic flow and it brings more artistic energy into my mind as I create. And what are you excited about right now? Right now, I am so excited for the upcoming launch of my Black History Year calendar for the upcoming year, 2023. This year, I've created a brand new calendar with new illustrations, poetry, and new Black history facts to accompany every month. So going off of the huge success my calendar was last year, I have no doubts that It'll be off the charts this year. (laughs) That's great. So how do you keep learning? So I'm always learning because I am always doing. Whenever someone says I can't do something, I always have the urge to just do it and prove them wrong. So it's like I'm working all these different jobs and I'm working on the calendar. It's like a side business and I'm teaching. Like it's, it's too much, but it's possible. And I'm I'm doing it. So if I can do it, so can you. Do you feel black art can be defined? Um, I definitely do think that black art can be defined because black art is special in its own way. And it tells a story that many other art pieces lack. And there's always a sense of cultural diversity in black art. So I would definitely say black art can be defined. And what do you enjoy most about what you do? So the thing I love about what I do is that not only am I able to tell a story through my artwork, but I'm able to teach. So because I'm an older sibling, I just have this natural tendency to teach someone that's younger than me. Ever since I was younger, I would help my younger siblings with their homework and Now that I'm older, I kind of see how that translated into me becoming a teacher because I I just love that aspect of being able to teach each one, teach one. And, you know, it's it's something that you can do that can pass on for generations. So if I teach you something today, it can last for a long time. If my artwork teaches you a message that you've never heard of before, that's something that'll stick with you forever. And when you're working, do you think about who your audience is? I definitely do. Whenever I work, I think about all the different scenarios, all the different people who could possibly be viewing my work. Um, I make sure that it is something that they can either relate to or understand, or even if they don't relate or understand to it, they can just be interested, something that that'll hold their attention. During the creative process, when do the titles of your work come into formation? (laughs) Yes. So creating the titles usually comes towards the end. Um, I have to say that that's usually the, the last thing I do because creating the piece is always the hardest part. Once the piece is done, then the title comes in. You could think about all the different choices that I made while creating the piece. And then that's how I create the title. And then if I even get more time on my hands, I create artist statements for every piece I do. So it has like a different explanation on why I chose to add certain pieces or elements into the artwork. And what's the process of choosing color? Color, yes. So a lot of my artwork consists of earth tones. Earth tones is 
is something that you just see all around. And it's something that even though it doesn't have a pop effect to it, it's something that you can associate with African-American and just cultural diversity in general, because it's an earth tone hue. It's kind of like melanin. A lot of my work goes around um, African-American skin tone kind of work. So it's something like that you can connect with. And then there's other times where I do add a little bit more color into it, but it has the main colors, which are red, yellow, green, and black, which would be the African color schemes for different patterns, for different tribal colors. It's something that I I feel that's part of my style. So it just is emulated throughout the works I do. So considering that you realized you or you learned that you have glaucoma early in life, what would you say was the most substantial challenge that you've had to overcome? I would say the most substantial challenge to overcome would have to be the fact that I had to miss a little bit of my school day. When I was younger, that really was something that got to me. Like everybody else was in class and I had to wake up early, go all the way down to Manhattan to the Eye and Ear Associates and get my eye exam and the Goldman visual field. And I was so young, I didn't even understand why I had to do it. Some of my favorite classes I missed, my art class was probably in the top category of the classes that I I was so upset that I had to miss because of those early morning appointments. And it's just like, I had to do it when I had to do it. And there was no real time that I could have went after school. So it had to be done, but I would say that was something that really did get to me. So as an educator of young children, have you met any other kids who have glaucoma or is it rare? It is rare. Glaucoma is something that really only affects a small portion of the population. But I have noticed a lot of other um, students that do have vision problems. So they understand where I'm kind of coming from. And the person who hired me for this position, actually, when she read my bio, she was very intrigued to find out that I was someone who had glaucoma and I was able to do so many different things. And that's something that I was really happy to see. Yeah, that's great. I've enjoyed this conversation very much and uh, you've educated me on a few things. So thank you. So this is our last question. Mm -hmm. What do you feel is the purpose of art? And as an artist, what is your role? So the purpose of art, I would personally say that the purpose of art is to educate, to share and to bring joy. That would be my top definition for the purpose of art. So it's something that the whole family can enjoy. It's something that brings about conversations. Um, Sometimes it may bring about a discord among people that may not agree with it. So it's really something that, you know, there's really no for it or against it. It's like a middle ground where you can just escape. It's an escape. You can escape the real world and go into the world of art, the world that the artist has created for you. 
And that's something that you can't do with a lot of different art forms where you can just leave reality while still being in reality and just enjoy that one piece. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed this interview. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Cerebral Women Art Talks podcast. For additional content, please visit CerebralWomen.com and be sure to follow Cerebral Women on Instagram.